All right, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll get there in just a second. This is as close to a traditional Christmas sermon as you'll ever get out of me. So. so like I was talking about last week, when we were talking about hope, and this is kind of true for all of these different things that we are called to be when we talk about the church. Um, we were talking about this a little bit uh, in our CG last week. And, and, and I still go back to the one big point that we had last week was like that hopelessness is directly connected with godlessness. Like the, the farther we are from God, the more hopeless we're going to be. The closer we are to God, the more hopeful we're going to be. And that's true with so many of these qualities that are supposed to be true of believers. That's true this week again of joy. I could make the exact same number of points about, about joy, like how closely connected with God we are should be, should be relatively, uh, should be, should be reflective of how joyful we are, that sort of thing. And, and I was thinking about this, and I, and I realized that I missed the opportunity for a perfect analogy, and I just want to apologize to you guys, because I always come with so many analogies, and I didn't have the best one. And so, so here's an analogy that fits for last week, but it's also what we're going to use to kind of look at joy this week. Um, so when you think about uh, being in shape, I will stand in as the example of someone who is not in shape uh, for sake of argument. But, but say I went outside right now and I decided I'm going to jog around the block. And then I come back in here and I check my heart rate. And then I check my heart rate again in five minutes and it's still exactly where it was. And I check my heart rate again and it's a little bit low. That, that's probably meaning like I'm not in shape because, because I don't recover well. I don't, I, don't, I don't get back to my resting heart rate very quickly, right? Whereas if, if some of the, the people who annoy me in this church and run long distances, whose names I will not say, but are probably smiling guiltily right now, were to go out and jog around the church right now, not only would they not break a sweat, even if their heart rate elevated the slightest bit, it would go back to their resting heart rate much quicker than it would if I was to go out and run right now. Because I'm not in shape. I am not, I am not physically able to recover well to get back to kind of my resting, um, like, normal state, however normal I may be. Right? So, so, so it is reflective of how healthy we are, how quickly we can kind of recenter ourselves or, or get back to being who we are when we're at our, our foundational core kind of basic state. And this is what I realized with, with both hope last week and with joy this week. Our, our spiritual health, our spiritual well-being is best reflected when we see how quickly we're able to get back to having a perspective that we know Jesus and we can have hope in knowing Jesus. Or this week, we, we know how spiritual spiritually healthy we are, the quicker we get back to realizing and having perspective about what our real true joy is found in. And here's what I mean. We're going to be talking about joy. We're going to be talking about why we're joyful. And we're going to be talking about what joy, what joy means and what joy should look like in our lives. And all of this time, while I'm teaching about joy, you're going to be sitting here thinking, but what about those times that I'm sad? Or what about those times that something bad happens and, and I don't feel very joyful? I'm not saying those times don't come, and I'm not saying there aren't going to be times that we're not going to be sad. Because, I mean, even Jesus was sad at some points. 
There were times that Jesus looked at Jerusalem and saw their sinful state and wept over them because he knew that they were sinful and broken and that they weren't going to be saved. There were times that that his friend had died and he was told that his friend had died and he wept because he was so sad and he missed his friend. There are going to be times that we're going to be sad. There are going to be times that we're going to feel all sorts of emotions. But, But the quicker we're able to get back to remembering and having our perspective about what it is that we are in Christ and the joy that comes from knowing Him or the hope, like we said last week, that we have in knowing Him, the quicker we're able to get that is reflective of our spiritual well-being. And so what I want us to do this week as we talk about joy, I want us to apply this to all of these different qualities that are supposed to be true of those of us who are saved. I want us to be asking ourselves, when hard times come, when difficult things happen, how quickly am I able to realize and have perspective about who Jesus is and what he's done and get back to that point of of either rest or hope or joy or whatever the the point is that we're trying to talk about. Like, Like how quickly am I able to recover from from the sprint through life that I just went through? How quickly am I able to get back and have proper perspective about about who Jesus is and what he's done for us? So we've been talking about preparation and hope and and all of these things now now lead to joy. Last week we read in Romans 12, uh, verses 9 through 13, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. And this was the key point. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And we were talking about last week how, how this is just kind of a bunch of, a bunch of things that we as believers should do. But right in the middle of that was that, that as you have hope in Christ, as you look forward and seeing what's going on in the world around you and you see how bad everything is, you are filled with hope because you know that Jesus is faithful. We just sang those words. The Lord our God is ever faithful, never changing. We can count on him. We have hope in him, and what we realized last week is that hope should lead to rejoicing. That hope should lead to praise. And that, that, that hope leads exactly into what we're talking about this week, which is joy. We talked about how, how we needed to prepare ourselves through this Advent series. We need to be prepared to enter the presence of Christ. We need to be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that's in us. We need we needed to realize that when Jesus came, he brought hope. He brought a way out. But this week, we're talking about, and I think this is the most exciting of all of them, is that, that when Christ came, he brought joy. And we should rejoice in that he came. We should rejoice in that we get to know him. For Israel, the hope of knowing a Messiah would come should have led them to rejoice so that when he comes, that's why, that's why the first instructions that are given to people on earth when Christ comes are, are, are calls to rejoice. Look in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 8. This is just after the birth of Christ. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Obviously for me, the key verse in there is... There today, I have good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Good news. That is the same way that we define the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel fills us with great joy. This isn't, this isn't a call to be hopeless. This isn't a call to be sad. This isn't a call to be let down. This isn't a call to sit there and mourn. He's saying, no, no, no. All these things that you have been putting your hope in, these, this, 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 this great salvation that you have been hoping would come, this Messiah that you have been waiting for, he's here. And it's time to rejoice because he is what, you, he is what brings perfect joy. He is what brings to you the reason for celebrating. He is what what fills you and inspires you with this overwhelming sense of of just joy and elation and exclamation at how amazing it is that he has come. And then then they don't just, the the angel doesn't just leave these shepherds there, right? Then then they strike up the band, right? They they bring everybody in. They're like, we're going to show you what this looks like. We're going to start singing. We're going to start praising because we know how big a deal this is. We're going to we're going to we're going to have a worship service right here and we're going to be excited about the fact that Christ has come. This is this is a big moment. This is this is monumental. This is one of the most important moments in the history of the earth. Christ's stepping out of heaven and coming down to be with us. And this is good news of great joy. And this is, this, this is I mean, this is going to be a really simple message this morning. Because here's the message. Jesus is here. Jesus is here, and that is worth rejoicing over. That is worth being excited about. That is worth praising our Father in heaven over. Because we now have Christ. We get to know Christ. And we have this joy that, over, that overcomes every other emotion that we can sometimes feel ourselves being bogged down with. Whatever is going on in our life, we can always come back to knowing Christ and being filled with joy over that. At least we can as we check our spiritual health, right? Like, the closer we are to God, the easier it is for us to realize that joy on a day-to-day basis. First Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you have not seen him, this is to the church, this is us, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You don't always see him. It's not always something easy to understand. Sure, he's not physically walking around the room with us. We're not having a conversation with him where we're looking him in the eye. But if you are in Christ, if you have been saved, that good news that I'm talking about, the gospel, the truth of the gospel, the truth of 
Jesus saving us from our sins and adding us to the family of God is great news that, that when we think back about the salvation of our souls, when we get perspective about what it is that we received when Christ paid that ultimate sacrifice so that we could be saved, when he did that and when he saved us and when he added us to his family, that is the best news that we could ever know. And that ought to fill us with the greatest joy that we have ever known. And we should display that joy in any way that we can. Because this is great news. This is the mark of somebody who knows Jesus. And so as I was studying this week... Um, I was looking around through different, I was reading different articles and different things, and I came across this two-minute video, and I'm going to steal all the content right now from this two-minute video. Uh, I'm not going to do my Francis Chan impression, but I could if I wanted to. But I have too much hair. He touches his forehead a lot. So I was watching this video, and it was called, Does God Say I Should Be Happy? Or that was ish, the question that he was answering. And the question was, does the Bible say that I should be happy? And he said, well, I'm going to read Philippians 4.4, because he reads it, and he says, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And here's the point that he made, and here's the point that I want us to understand, that that is a command. And it's not just a command. That's a command with emphasis. And the point that he made is, when you go look through the Ten Commandments, it does say, you know, uh, don't murder, but it doesn't say, don't murder. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't hear it, don't murder. He doesn't say it twice in the Ten Commandments. It's not, hey, don't, don't covet, and I'll say it again, in case you didn't hear me, don't covet. Because, and maybe, and I've been talking about this throughout the week, maybe it's because, maybe it's because those things make sense. When you hear, hey, don't go murder somebody, you're like, that makes sense. Hey, don't go steal something, that makes sense. But when somebody says, you should be happy, you should be joyful, that doesn't always make sense. That's not always as natural a thing. It's like, I don't feel happy. I don't have to be happy. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. That's not what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. In case you doubt me, what I mean, rejoice. And the point that Francis Chan was trying to make and the point that I'm trying to make is he, he basically answered the question. He said, so does, is God saying that I should be happy? Yeah. Yeah. And then to follow it up, why wouldn't you be? If you're in Christ, why, why wouldn't you be? What's, what's not to be happy about? You were, we, we've talked about this before. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, right? But God, being rich in mercy... With, because of the great love with which he loved us, sent his son to die for us so that we could be saved. That Christ came and that we remember that this time of year, the coming of our king, that he came should fill us with the greatest joy. And there should be no doubt that we should be happy and joyful as often as we can. Like It's, it's not something that we can just step over and say, I don't feel it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice, right? Like, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't softened. This isn't anything where he's holding back. He's saying, I want you to be joyful people. 
I mean, if you go read through the whole book of Philippians, that, that book is filled with Paul talking about the joy of being in the, around the church and knowing the church and seeing what God has been doing in the church. And he's just so overwhelmed with joy because of what God has been doing in their lives. And he's so excited to be around the church. And he's so excited to be around the people of God and seeing what God is doing in their lives. And that's who we should be. That's the way that we as the church should be. We shouldn't be a people who are walking around glum. We shouldn't be a people who are walking around meh. I'm not saying we should all be mourning people. I don't like you people. But again, our spiritual well-being is reflective of how quickly we're able to realize and get perspective about who we are in Christ. So the quicker we realize, oh wait, I'm saved. I've got nothing to lose. I've got Jesus. I have everything I'll ever need. The quicker we can get to that point, the more, the more healthy we are, the more spiritually healthy we are, the more joyful we're going to be, no matter what the circumstances may be in which we find ourselves, no matter, no matter what our relationships may be like, no matter what our, our school or job may be like, no matter, what, no matter what our family life may be like, no matter what our relationships within the church be like. The closer we are to God, the more joy-filling those things will be in our lives because we will have perspective about the fact that no matter what, what grade I get in this class or what my boss says to me about my job performance or, or what my family gets me for Christmas or what this person says to me that I don't necessarily like to say, whatever, whatever the situation may be, once we realize that we have all we need in Christ, we're good. Everything else kind of pales in comparison to him. And that's the thing that I want us as a church to realize. That, that, when, that when Christ was born, the first instruction wasn't, you know, feel sorrow over your sin because this, this child has to come and he's going to eventually have to die because you're so sinful. No, it was just, he's here. Let's have a party. Right? And I think that's a thing that we don't always do well as the church. Like, I don't come from a background where we're, like, jumping up and down and screaming and running around and yelling and stuff while we're worshiping. But, man, I read a lot of stuff in the Bible that looks like there's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of, there's a lot of shouting and there's a lot of dancing and there's a lot of, there's a lot of joy present in worship. And I'm bad at it, especially the dancing part. So I apologize. Bo, you're not shamed, are you? You're not ashamed at all. He'll dance all the time. Happy birthday, Jesus. That's right. But here's the thing. All of these things should be true of all of us. Right? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. This is, this is the list of this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Right? These are the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Our joy is how we demonstrate, is one of the ways in that list, one of the ways in which we demonstrate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you're writing down points, like, like, like point one would have been, that the coming of Jesus was a joyful moment. The presence of Christ should fill us with joy. Point two is that the way we model joy demonstrates the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. 
As we are joyful, we are proclaiming the presence of God within us. Among other things, love and joy and peace and patience, all of those. But for the sake of today, you can't have most of that list but skip on joy and say, well, I'm still doing okay. Because he says all of these things are the fruit of the Spirit. So all of these things will be present in the lives of believers. So we all should be joyful. We all should demonstrate what God has done in our lives by the way that we are joyful. Just like I said last week with demonstrating the presence of God by the way that we are hopeful. By the way that we are able to look at what's going on around us but say, you know what, I got Jesus, I'm good. And celebrate his presence in our lives. And I'm not saying that we have to force happiness to show off our Holy Spirit. Like, I'm not, it, it, it's kind of a chicken-egg thing, but, what I'm, but, but as the Holy Spirit is in us, we will be joyful. As we are joyful, we'll show off that the Holy Spirit is in us. It's not a we have to be joyful so that the Holy Spirit wants to be in us. The Holy Spirit, and this is, and this is, this is, this is the last point, really, is that God gives us the ability to be joyful. Because those are the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning, to really demonstrate joy, to really demonstrate this in a way that is, that is real and meaningful, means that we have to have the presence of God in us empowering that joy. Because we don't really know what joy is until we know Christ. Like, we can rejoice in lots of things, but none of those things are worth rejoicing in when compared to Jesus. And before you had the Holy Spirit living in you, before you were saved, before you were walking with God, you were probably rejoicing in lots of different things. But to all of a sudden know the creator of everything, to know, to know the perfect one who came and who on our behalf died so that we could be saved and added back into his family. We could be restored into a relationship with God. To have that perspective, to see that Jesus, that's a completely different definition of joy that comes with knowing that. Our joy was in things that were ultimately meaningless, that were, that were short-term, that were not complete. But when God fills us with his Holy Spirit, when God adds us to his family, now we understand joy in a brand new way. Now we actually know what joy is. Now he empowers Real demonstrations of joy. So as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will become joyful. And as you are joyful, that is one of the ways that God will cause you to stand out in this world and give you the opportunity to give an answer for the hope, but you can also give an answer for the joy. Because joy is not natural. Joy doesn't look right to a lot of people. Why are you so joyful all the time? Don't you see what's going on in the world around you? I absolutely see what's going on in the world around me. And I hate that it's going on in the world around me. And I don't like a lot of the things that I see. And I'm broken and saddened over those things. But ultimately, I'm able to remember that my joy is still in Christ. And I'm still able to rejoice in him. Because above all else, I have Christ. And that is all that I need. That is what a healthy believer looks like. That is a healthy perspective of what we're supposed to be thinking about come Christmas time when we start remembering why Christ came and we're celebrating that God sent him here. That's the point is that we come back to remembering what our hope and what our joy is in. 
It's a reminder that God gave us a way to truly be joyful. Maybe you're not always feeling joyful. Maybe you wish that you were joyful more. Maybe you wish you could feel that more. I'm just going to read a couple of these passages from Psalms because because these are perfect demonstrations of of God making us joyful, giving us the ability to be joyful. Psalm 4, verse 7. You have put more joy in my heart than they have with their grain and wine abound. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 30, 11 and 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. These are things that God is doing for us. He's taking our perspective. He's changing it. He's giving us the ability to be joyful. He's giving us the ability to have proper perspective about what he's doing. Heart attack in the back over there. But it was a joyful sounding ringtone, so I'm okay with it. So here's the thing. If you're not feeling it, I go back to exactly what I said last week when I said hopelessness is directly connected with godlessness. How, how well do you realize what you are in Christ? What Christ has done for you? Where is your, where is your perspective on salvation? Because I, 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 want, I want all of us to so feel this deep, passionate sense of overwhelming joy. I want us to all be there. But we're only going to be there as we are close to Christ. We're only going to be there as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. How often are you praying that you be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can know joy? How often are you begging God to help you see what it is that He's done, even amidst the chaos of the world around you, so that you may be filled with joy? How real is your understanding of who Jesus is? Because if you're not joyful, if something seems like it's missing, it's probably Jesus. You probably don't have enough Jesus in you. You probably don't have enough Holy Spirit in you. Because I guarantee you, if you get some Holy Spirit in you, if you get, if you get closer and closer to Christ, if you, if you understand what it is that he's done, you will feel joy. You will feel the desire to rejoice in him. And, and this demonstration of the angels showing up to these shepherds and saying, this is how we celebrate Jesus. This is how we celebrate being in the presence of God. This is what it sounds like. A great multitude singing together, praising God. Glory to God in the highest. Over everything else, this guy is worthy, of to, be, is worthy to be praised. That is where we should be. And that's, where, and that's why I said to Nick, pick as, many, pick as many joy songs as you can this week because I want us to celebrate what it is that it means to know Jesus. I want to celebrate knowing Christ. I want us as a church to be able to get excited and to be joyful about knowing Him. And I say all this because I sometimes, and I get this way too, I get into the habit of reading the words and singing them and not feeling it. And I'm a little insecure, like I said. I don't, I, don't, I don't dance. I don't do any of that. And I'm not saying you have to dance. But what I am saying is, I think we can all stand to joy a little bit more. To joy a little bit better. To feel all of the feels that come with knowing Christ. And we don't always let ourselves feel it as well as we probably should.
The temptation is, 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 is often just, I'm a little insecure about this, or I just don't feel it. But I say again, rejoice in the Lord always. So we're going to sing in just a second. And as we sing, I want us to, I want us to first examine our hearts, ask ourselves how closely connected to Christ am I, just like I said last week. But if, if you're close to Christ, I think let's have proper perspective about what it means to rejoice and know Him and talk about how amazing that is and then, and then feel that and let that empower our response. As we sing, let us, let us sing with great joy. As we, as, we speak, as we speak to one another as the church, as we interact with each other, let us do that with great joy. Let us be excited to be around one another as the church because we are the people of God who have been pulled out of our sinful state and added to the family of God. And we can rejoice that we get to know Jesus, the creator of everything, the perfect one, the one, the one who made all of this possible, the one that we celebrate when we get to Christmas and we realize he is here, he came for us, and that is worth celebrating. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray quickly because I want to sing.